Um, I'm really looking forward to the message that God has for us this morning. Our brother Mark Garner is bringing the word this morning. He's the vessel this morning. And uh, Mark has been part of Res Life Church here for a number of years. His wife, Christy, and their kids are part of Res Life. And Mark is just a great friend, a great brother, a great son of God, of the Most High God. And would you give him a Res Life Reload welcome in Jesus' name. Good morning, men. It's, uh, it's so funny because everyone knows me as kind of being a jokester and a loud mouth and comfortable screwing around with people. But every time God gives me the opportunity to share, like I'm a nervous wreck when it comes to speaking in front of people. Right before I go up, he gives me peace every time. So I walk in that this morning. Um, so yeah, real quick, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, as Pastor uh, Tom said, my wife and I have been attending here as a family for 13 years. Um, we have three truly wonderful, beautiful kids, Caleb, 14, Aaliyah, 12, and Bella, my little spiritual fighter, is eight. And um, we, are, we, get, we get to be involved in numerous uh, ministries at church here. And one of them that's near and dear to our hearts is Married Under 40, where we get to be uh, on the leadership team under Pastor Tim and uh, Rachel Gillio. And um, we were able to give our testimony at Married Under 40 a few years ago. It was entitled Breaking Points, Break-Ins, Break-Ups, and Breakthroughs. And I'm going to get into more of that. And marriage is something really near and dear to our hearts because 11 years ago, our marriage almost came to a crashing halt because more than anything, and what I want to talk to us as men about, I wasn't leading my family spiritually, and I allowed the enemy to break into my marriage, break into my life, break into my home, and that's what I want to share with you guys today. Um, so the, the, the title of this message is called Break-In. So what is a break-in? We're going to jump right into it. A break-in is when someone enters your house, your home, your life without permission, and they take what doesn't belong to them, okay? It's a thief, and according to John 10.10, we know who the thief is. It's uh, that old serpent, and the Bible says that he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And in our marriage, we allowed the enemy to break in in several different ways, and um, his message, his, 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 his goal is clear. When the enemy comes into our lives and our marriages, his plan is to steal our love, kill our communication, ultimately destroying our marriages. And I had to learn that the hard way um, through numerous missteps on my own. Um, and we're going to get into all that. But first pertaining to men, I want to tell you a story. Well, what's funny with the enemy is his tactics never change. So God has already told us how to, de how to defeat him, how to beat him. But we got to take that authority to do so, amen? Um, my family, we're from, uh, we're from Mississippi. That's where I was born. And um, my father, my mom was a school teacher back in 1983. I was three years old. 
And my father worked for the State of Mississippi Road Commission. And while he was working one day after a tornado, you know, I think it's funny in Michigan, we're like, oh, it's tornado drill, like, go south. They got real tornadoes, they got real storms. And uh, after a major storm, trees were knocked down all over uh, our county. And my father and his crew were out working, and while they were working, a tree snapped, fell on my father, crushing his back. Um, he was hospitalized for four weeks. So my uncles, because the man had been removed from our home, my uncles would come over and uh, they would help my mom with my older brother and my older sister. And they would stay so that we had that father figure and that man present in our home. Well, one night, uh, my older brother and sister decided they wanted to go and stay the night at my Uncle Larry's house. I was three years old, so uh, my mom obliged. And they went over to hang out with my cousins. Well, later that night, while we were laying in bed, it's one of my earliest memories, and I still can vividly remember this. My mom and I, because we were home alone, she allowed me to stay in bed with her and not in my room. And around 3 o'clock in the morning, my mom said she woke up because she felt the presence of someone else in our home. When she awoke, she found a man standing at the end of our bed. And what woke me was my mother screamed. As loud as she could, she screamed. And if you ask her today, she screamed Jesus first, and the thief ran. He left our home. Our neighbors came over. Uh, they called the authorities. They called my uncles. And my uncles felt so guilty that they abandoned us without a man in our home. And in doing so, a thief was able to break into our house. The burglar was caught two days later, I believe it was, and they asked, why did you decide to break into the Garner's home? And his answer has stuck with me. His answer was natural, but it had a spiritual effect on me. His response was, because I knew there was no man in that house. I knew that that family was vulnerable. So my first question, man, my father unknowingly, and no fault of his own, he got injured. But is there some areas in our life, in our families, in our homes, where we're not present? Is there somewhere in our families, in our lives, where we're allowing the enemy to break in? You guys understand that? So 11 years ago, my wife and I, our marriage was, uh, it was on the rocks. There's no better way to say it. I was living extremely foolish. Um, one of the break-ins in my life where I allowed the enemy to creep in was through my loyalty and commitment to friends and family. I started, uh, I started the party life five years into my marriage. I was 28 years old. And I'm hanging out with guys from church, Christian men, partying, drinking, fighting, 
I wish Yago Williams was here because he was a big influence on it all. It's actually all his fault. <laughs> if you see him, tell him I said that. And it's crazy how comfortable we can get with other brothers who say they're believers, and yet you're living this life full of sin and contempt. Um, this is a verse that came to me later after enduring a lot of that ignorance. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6, it says, In the name of Lord Jesus our God, we command you, brothers and sisters, keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and doesn't live according to the teaching you receive from us. So ask again, are we allowing people in our lives that aren't bearing fruit? Are we associating with people who become idle? One translation says every brother. You know, as Christian men, as spiritual leaders of our households, we got to come to the realization that not everyone in our life should be in it. Not everyone in our life is going to bring us positive influence. They're not going to bring us godly guidance. Someone has to go. Amen? I had to come to that realization with some of, the, some of the guys I thought I was closest with. You know, guys that I thought I loved, they loved me. But it was such a broken relationship. And more than anything... It was nothing more than a distraction in my life and in my marriage. Um, I was reminded, and then part of it too, just, you know, this, this walk, this faith walk, it, it, it can be very tough. We all know that. And if you're not surrounding yourself with people that are walking in the same direction as you, where are you going? Where are you headed? What are you doing? What are you providing? First Timothy 5.8 it says any man who doesn't provide for his household is worse than an unbeliever. And when I first read that scripture, I always thought that it was just monetarily provisions. But what if God's also talking spiritually? What if you're not providing for your home spiritually, fellas? What if you're not leading your family spiritually? So many men, we get proud and we're like, we're the head of our wife. But first, the Bible says every, Christ is the head of every man. So if you can't lead, it's probably because we're not following. I was in a position where I wasn't following because I was around the wrong crowd. I was around a lot of idle believers. And even, even that, that blows my mind that you know, in, the, in that verse, it says, keep away from every believer who is idle. There are Christians. There are people who will receive heaven, but their reward might not be as good as yours. There are believers who are distracted. So, as Christian men, as leaders of our households, we got to accept there's some people, there's some places that we just shouldn't go. We shouldn't be involved in. And 
I mean, I'm at a place in life where I have no problem admitting I'm not perfect. I struggle with this today. That's why I'm here, because I need as much help as everyone else does. Amen? Um, and, yeah, ultimately, they just created a, uh, a further, bigger wedge in our life. Another major break-in for me was pornography. And uh, I know I'm the only guy in here who's ever dealt with that, right? My addiction to pornography was extremely strong. And uh, pornography corrupted my mind and my thought of what a real intimate relationship with my wife should be. Pornography took the place of my spouse, which was wrong. It led me to believe in a false reality that only hindered and broke my marriage even further. And truly, that's what ultimately pushed me into a, uh, an adulterous relationship 11 years ago. Um, that addiction became so strong, I started trying to live out what I saw. Moved out of my home, moved in with another woman. I can't, I can't even believe that, like, as I sit here now and I think about that. Um, and ultimately, it was leading to destruction of me in its entirety. And the problem with pornography is once those images get in your head, they're hard to get out. That's why the Bible says we got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We got to take captive those thoughts. We got to get the enemy out of our head. That's a big part of this faith walk. The enemy will try to get into our minds. That's another major break in. He tries to corrupt our thinking, tries to corrupt our heart, and we got to kick him out. Um, Proverbs 4.23, it states more than anything, you guard, protect your mind, because life flows from it. Because of how I let the enemy in, life wasn't flowing from me at all. I abandoned my house. I had let a thief come in and take my place, and he was disrupting everything about our life and about our homes. Um, so ultimately, what I really want get, to get to is how do we kick him out? Amen? We all know how to let the enemy in, truly, if we're being honest with ourselves. We all know how. And if we're wise to God's word or if we're willing to listen to God's word, he's told us how to get him out but are we willing to do it? That's the big question. Um, I'm a storyteller. I like telling stories. <laughs> I have a friend who lives in Benton Harbor, and uh, she lives a couple houses down from uh, her grandmother. And her, grandmother, her grandmother's old and aging, and she had a big four-bedroom house. And she said, you know, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna rent out a bedroom to someone, so that uh, you know she was trying to she's trying to be good-hearted, and she allowed a young man to move in as a legal tenant in her home. Well, two weeks into it, 
this man comes into her life, into her home, and he starts disrupting her order. He starts to come and go at all hours of the night, playing loud music, bringing, bringing women in at all hours of the night. And she was tired of it. He became extremely disrespectful. And before she knew it, this man had taken over her home. And my friend contacted me, and she's like, Mark, how do we, what do we do? How do we get this man out? He's not welcome here anymore. And I, I told her, I said, first, you should call law enforcement. And they called, they called law enforcement. Um, and what the officer told her in the natural means so much to me, again, in the spiritual. The officer told her, you've allowed him residency here, and now he has the legal right to be here. We can't put him out. You have to legally evict him. Now, I think about that in the spiritual. That's exactly what we've done with our enemy. We've legally given the enemy residency in our lives. But then we expect for him to leave on his own. It ain't going to happen, man. We got to take back our legal authority and put him out. How do we do that? We do it in three ways. First, if you're serious about it, we got to repent. We got to be done with it. We got to confess it. We got to forsake it. There's no other way to deal with sin. Repent, turn 180 degrees, walk away. Because if there's any little unconfessed sin in your life, the enemy has a right to be there. You're allowing him to be there. You're legally saying you're welcome here. If you mean it, repent, confess, forsake, put him out. Secondly, you got to resist. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's so cliche. A lot of us know that verse. And it's like, all right, I resist the devil. He'll flee from me. But what we got to understand is by resisting him, we have to take back everything that we gave him. We don't just sit idly by, okay? But you can't take it back until you take legal authority to do so. He's not going to leave on his own. We got to run him out. When I came back home after that affair, after God had poured into me and poured into me and poured into me, I started to speak God's word from my mouth daily. I started to claim victory over my house. I started to claim victory over my marriage, over my kids. I walked into my home with the power of attorney, <laughs> which is the name of Jesus, amen? I walked in with authority demanding. That's the other thing. We don't beg the enemy. We don't plead with him. We don't ask. We tell and demand, get out of my home. Get out of my life. We have authority. 
We don't wait for him. We don't negotiate with our enemy. We kick him out. Do we want to be free of him? Put him out. Take authority. Jesus died and gave us the keys. Jesus has done everything he plans on doing with the enemy until he comes back. But he left us the authority to deal with him. Let's use it, fellas. Let's use it. Let's not sit idly by. That's one reason a lot of people, they always say, man, Mark, you're real, dude. You don't hold back. You tell it how it is. And why not? And that's why, man, I rejoice. I got brothers here. I rejoice. One of my brothers calls me and he goes, man, I'm dealing with pornography. Can you pray with me? And I'm like, hey, man, because that's a brother trying to slam the door on the enemy from getting into his house. I got brothers here who will go, Mark, here's $1,000. You're a deacon. Put it in the offering. Because in my hands, it's going to go toward drugs and all sorts of other things. But in the kingdom's hand, godly work can be done. That's a brother who's trying to slam his window and lock it from the enemy coming into his house. None of us are perfect. We all still deal with stuff. But how are we dealing with it? Are we truly combating it? Are we truly fighting? Are we truly taking authority and commanding the enemy out of our lives? Or are we holding on to some of that little secret sin? You know, as we talk about, uh, you know, the story of how the, the thief broke into my parents' house, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible um, it's Matthew. I gotta find it. Matthew twelve twenty nine. It says, "Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his good unless he first binds the strong man, and then he'll plunder his house?" Fellas, has the enemy bounded us somehow? Do we have that little bit of sin that we haven't confessed yet? That one little secret thing in our life? I do. I do. I got it. In a crowd like this, I'm sure some of you do too. But if we really want to get rid of it, we got to confess it. The Bible says we confess our sins to God the Father for forgiveness. But we confess them to one another for healing. The third thing to evict the enemy, repent, resist, and renewal. Um, It's not enough to simply put off the old you, but it's more importantly to remember the new you. Put on the new you. Walk in the new you. Don't just just put off the old guy. Put on the new you. Um, Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, we're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. To me, what it means to be filled with the Spirit, it means that there's no room in my house. There's no closet in my house that God doesn't have the key to. There's no place in my heart where God isn't permitted to enter. 
I want to be filled with the Spirit. How many brothers want to be filled with the Spirit? Let's pray real quick, fellas. Father, Lord, I just thank you that you bring us from there to here. Lord, I thank you that you're willing to pick up the broken pieces, Lord, and still use us. Father, I thank you that there's no taking back the cross and all that that means to us. Father, right now, I ask that, uh, Holy Spirit, you begin to stir in the hearts of the men who are sitting here right now, Father. Father, I pray that boldness comes over them, that right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, they're willing Lord, to let go of that secret little sin. Father, they're willing to put that burden at the foot of the cross, Lord. It's not theirs to carry. We thank you, Lord, that through you, all things are possible, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Bruce, you mind coming up? Um, one thing I'd like to do here today, guys, is uh, it's important that we always have the opportunity to confess those sins to someone, someone you trust. Had I not done that, I don't know where I'd be today. So I'd like to offer opportunity with Pastor Tom, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Tim, Ricky. Fellas, if we want to get rid of that little bit of crap in our life, today's an opportunity to do so. There's no judgment here. There's no judgment here. God wants to meet you right where you're at. Your sin, that little secret thing that you're hiding, he already knows about it. He's willing to deal with it. He's willing to take care of it. If you're willing to step out in boldness on faith to get rid of it. I know how this works. I feel the Holy Spirit convicting hearts right now. And sometimes it's tough to be that first person to step out and go, I'm dealing with something. I need prayer. So as I finish, I'm going to go first. I'm going to get with one of these men back here. And I'm going to ask them to lay hands on me and pray with me and help me kick out anything that the enemy is trying to break into my life and into my house and my family. I ask that you be bold. You do the same.